if you are an accompanying spouse in Odense and would like to find a job. Alexandra Jensen from the international community Odense can help with a job search. Alexandra is a spouse consultant and she helps international families to settle in Odense. In addition to helping with job search, CV writing and introducing international spouses to work-related and social networks, Alexandra and her colleagues can also help international families with finding accommodation and many other practical issues that may come up during the family's process of moving to Odense. What we do in particular is to help the family settle in the new country, in the new city. The international community Odense was established in 2015 by Odense Municipality. The community welcomes and supports internationals in the city. Alexandra Jensen is the guest in today's episode of the Expat Life in Odense podcast series. The contact information of international community Odense is shared in the show notes. My name is Jasti Øverland and here is Alexandra Jensen. Uh, first of all, it's important to say that we are part of Odense Municipality, also called City of Odense in English. So Odense Kommune in Danish. So our services are free of charge. And it's the city's way of helping internationals move to the city and the companies that uh, need international employees. So this is our service. What we do uh, in particular is to help the family settle in the new country, in the new city. They may have practical questions about how to move here, how to register themselves in the Danish system, how to sign up children for daycare and for school. What about healthcare? How to get a you know a health insurance card in Denmark? All these practical matters they may have. We also offer uh, a lot of uh, social activities and events because moving to a new country is quite challenging. Also because you le- you leave your home country, you leave your family and friends, and you have to start from scratch somewhere else. Uh, so our uh, our way of helping is to get people together in uh, informal social settings where they can meet each other and benefit from each other's experiences. And then my part in this is to help the accompanying partner who would like to get a job, to help her or him in that by counseling and guiding them about the Danish job market, how to write a good CV, a good cover letter, how to, to make themselves desirable for a Danish potential employer and all the questions they may have regarding that. So that's short about what we do. What kind of challenges um, do the accompanying spouses usually have when they seek your advice? Well, the accompanying spouses or partners that I help, uh, they would like to get a job, or Mm. at least they would like to do something. Um, Many of them, when they come here, they spend some time settling in, making sure that the family is okay, that the children are thriving, that the husband or the wife who is working is also thriving. And then eventually uh, most of them come to the conclusion that they would like to do something for themselves as well. So not necessarily getting a job, but getting something to do. So what I can do for them is to counsel them about, for example, um, volunteer work or other kinds of engagement in social activity that they may do, but mostly about uh, seeking jobs, finding jobs in Denmark. And the challenges they have in that regard is mostly that when you come to a new country, you don't know a lot about the country. You don't know the rules and the norms of the the new society and also about the job market. Because 
the labor market in Denmark is quite different from many other places. We have our own set of rules. We have our own way of doing things. And if you are searching for a job as an international in Denmark, there are many things that you don't know. You don't know how to go about it. This is something that I'm trying to help them understand Mm. as well. A big challenge uh, when finding a job in Denmark as an international is the lack of Danish. And that's uh, common for most internationals that when they come here, they have either no or just basic knowledge of Danish. And a lot of companies require a certain level of Danish to be able to hold a job in Denmark. Especially here on Funen, where we have a lot of small and medium-sized companies. They are not as used to handling or hiring internationals as they are in Copenhagen, for example. So because Funen is smaller, the city is smaller, the companies are also often smaller. They are just not used to dealing with internationals who don't speak Danish. And that's why um, a lot of job ads are written in Danish. And a lot of jobs require a certain level of Danish. And that's the biggest challenge for most because it takes some time to learn Danish. And before you have a certain level, for many of them, it's not quite possible to find a job or the dream job that you would like Mm -hmm. to have. Because you need a certain level of Danish for that. Do you have any advice to um, people who are abroad now who are planning their move here? Yes, a lot of advice. Um, Well, firstly, I would say, um, what is the reason for your move? Because if you if you don't have a job, you know, a job offer at hand, if you haven't signed a contract, then you need to be aware that there are many restrictions uh, when it comes to, you know, getting a residence and work permit in Denmark. Um, so if you have already been offered a job, then uh, probably either you or the company or both of you are in the process of getting the work permit. Uh, but if you're just planning on moving to Denmark because you think it's a really great country and you would like to try the experience of moving to Denmark, then you have to be aware that it can be a long process or maybe quite impossible for you to get a residence and work permit. So this is the first thing you have to be aware of and get in order. The second thing is that it can be quite challenging to find accommodation um, because we often see that people have very uh, high expectations of what kind of apartment, for example, they would like to have, what kind of apartment they'd like to rent, how many rooms, how how close to the city center. Uh, And this is really good, but you have to know that uh, it also will cost you a lot of money. The, The closer to the city center and the bigger apartment in Odense, the the more money you will have to pay for it in rent. So the first thing is to find out, okay, what what is the price range and is it acceptable for you? Can you afford it? Or do you have to kind of be a bit more flexible on your expectations? Um, And also you have to know that uh, it can take some time to find an apartment. Most apartments are advertised um, maybe two or three months in advance. So there is a waiting time before you can actually move in. Uh, so you have to get started with the process as soon as possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you can contact that us for that because yeah. um, if you are an employee or if your partner is an employee of the university, SDU in Odense, then the university has an accommodation office that you can contact for help. 
if you are an employee or a partner to an employee uh, in a company in Odense, you can contact us at International Community Odense and we can try help you find accommodation through our first home service that we offer. First home service is um, an agreement. We have, it's a service that we offer. It's an agreement we have uh, with uh, private and public landlords who are helping us when we have a specific request from someone about a flat. So if there is, for example, a price range between this and this and so many rooms so close to the city center, then we can send it out in our network of landlords and then we will get some possibilities back that we can offer to the international. The um, the challenge of not being here when you're looking for a flat is that in most places, the company offering accommodation, they would require that you actually come to the flat to see it yourself before you can say that you're interested in it. So they have this requirement of people actually seeing where they're going to live. And if you're living abroad, that can be a challenge. Then hopefully you can find somebody local Uh, someone local who will be able to help you with that or you can maybe make a special agreement with the landlord that you don't necessarily have to see the flat before you say yes to the flat but that's very individual so they usually want you to come and see it yes that's the standard procedure and this goes for internationals and Danes as well yeah is it because then they know what they're moving into or I th- yes, both that. I think it goes both ways. Both that the landlord can, you know, or the company, they can see, okay, who is this person moving okay. into the to the flat, and also so the person moving in will know, okay, so this is the flat, so they will not be uh, discouraged or uh, frustrated when they mm. actually see the flat uh, in in real life and they have expected something else. Okay. I would say that most flats in Denmark are in in a in a good condition, um, so that's not a big challenge. But it's always a good idea to see what you buy or what you rent before yeah. you do it. Uh, that's another thing. Uh, when you move in, you pay a deposit, yes. and usually this deposit is used to renovate the flat. You don't get it back. Is that right? Or? Yes. I mean, it it really depends on the 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 housing company. Uh, what their procedure is um, you have to be aware I'm really glad that you asked because this is also very important as an international or as a tenant you need to be aware that when you move in uh, in most cases you will have to pay a deposit which is usually three months rent you have to pay it in advance so you have to pay it you know from from day one and then also in most most cases you have to pay a, a prepay approximately two months rent so when you move in on day one you will need to pay the 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 rent for the month where you move in you have to pay two months rent in a prepaid price or whatever you call it Uh, and then you have to pay a deposit as well so in most cases you will have to pay what is six months rent Mm. from day one which is something that is uh, very new to most internationals and they often think that they are being cheated yeah. by the landlord who uh, expects them to, to pay that. But that's actually standard procedure. Yeah. So this is something you have to be aware of. So that can be very expensive to move Yes. To so when you then move out and you give your notice to the landlord, then the prepaid rent, for example, the two months or maybe sometimes it's three months, the prepaid rent that you have paid is then something that you don't have to pay for the two or three months 
the last two or three months that you that you are living in the flat. So this is something that you have prepaid, and then you get the benefit of it when when you move. Uh, and then the deposit sometimes it's used to renovate the flat for the new tenant. So sometimes you actually don't get the deposit back. Sometimes you get it back or get part of it back, depending on how expensive the renovation was. Uh, usually the um, the landlord will paint the whole flat and maybe uh, polish the floors. Um, so in in many cases you actually lose the whole deposit when you move out, and this is something that you also need to be aware of. What should internationals keep in mind when they are applying for jobs in Denmark and in Odense? Well, um, I think first and foremost you need to understand the way of applying for jobs in Denmark. Like, um, I think every country has its own way or its own standards when it comes to the application itself. In some countries, it's enough to send out the CV uh, in an email, and then you kind of get contacted by the company if they are interested. Uh, in other countries, uh, the CV looks, uh, you know, can can be quite different from from other countries. Um, what is usual in Denmark, and this is very, very, very important to know when you're looking for a job, is that you need to send out your CV and a cover letter as well. Uh, the CV needs to be structured in a certain way or at least needs to have uh, a lot of information that you are not used to in other countries. For example, it's very usual in a CV in Denmark to have a section or a, you know, a paragraph where you are giving the employer some information about yourself. Um, because in Denmark, um, I think what people usually focus on when hiring a new person for the job is, of course, this person needs to be qualified for the job, but it also needs to be a person that we can see ourselves working with. Is Will he or she be a good colleague or a good manager, um, a good representative of the company? And here... Uh, there is a lot of focus on the whole person. Like, you know, is, is it somebody that we can easily talk to? Is it somebody that um, that is interesting or is, 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 is interesting as a colleague as well? Um, so that's why this personal aspect in your CV is something that, that you often see in a, in a Danish CV. Also, when Danes write a CV, uh, where you write about your hobbies, your interests, your family situation. I think that this paragraph is really great for internationals where they can very shortly in a few lines explain why they have moved to Denmark, when they have moved to Denmark. They can say a lot of things in between the lines to make it easier for the potential employer to evaluate if they are an interesting person or not for the position. For example, if you are an accompanying partner, I would recommend that you write for example, I moved to Denmark in May 2019 to a company. My partner who is working as this and this in this company. We have two children. 
and in my spare time I like to do this and this and this. By giving them this very basic, simple and very weird information for some people, uh, when I ask them, is um, you, you tell the employer, okay, you have moved here recently, but still you have been here for some time. So maybe that will explain why you are still not fluent in Danish. You have only had one year to, to learn that. Uh, you give them the information that you have moved with your family. So that means that you are probably a stable and a responsible person. You have moved here with your partner who is working here, which means you will not leave tomorrow. You, you are committed. You are planning on staying here at least for a while. And that gives the employer the impression that you are a safe bet. A safer bet than if you just leave out this information and they don't know when you moved here, why you moved here, what is your motivation to stay in Denmark. So I think it's a really great paragraph for internationals where they can actually give a lot of information about themselves. When it comes to the cover letter, it's really important that you, you include that as well, because here you will list your motivation for the job and how you can contribute to the company, how the, the company will benefit from hiring you instead of somebody else. So um, this motivational, um, it's also called motivational letter yeah. or cover letter. This is actually your explanation to, okay, how, uh, of how can I contribute to the company? Why you should hire me? And don't ever send out a CV without a cover letter unless you are specifically asked by someone mm. or by a job ad only to include your CV. Okay. This is really important yeah. to know as well. Um, this is also something that I spend a lot of time on with my, my accompanying partners, as I call them, the ones that I'm in contact with, to get, to get them to understand, okay, you should structure your CV and your cover letter in a certain way. You should include that or and you should leave, leave out this, these parts. Um, to to make you to make you seem uh, this sounds weird maybe but to say that to make you seem as good as a Danish uh, job seeker or even better than a Danish job seeker because maybe you don't know the language but you have a lot of other competences you have lived abroad you have other uh, you know types of experience maybe you have worked on some different projects in a different way. So here you kind of have to highlight the extra competences that you bring to the to the position instead of somebody else. Um, so this is this is what I try to to help the accompanying partners with. Yeah, can they come to you and talk with you about their background, and you can help them formulate some good uh, things to write on the CV, or, or do you talk with them and then they go um, home and do them? It's very individual what people actually need. Mm -hmm. um, some accompanying partners that, that I'm, I'm working with are very um, proactive. And for example, when they contact me the first time, they have already applied for a lot of jobs. They have a really good CV and they know how to write a cover letter. And so my job is to kind of like make it even better if I can. Most cases, hopefully I can. And just give them some pointers to, okay, who to contact, where to go, how to go about it. So they are kind of like self-driven in a way. And other accompanying partners are quite uh, new to the Danish job market. They maybe haven't even structured a CV or a cover letter. And they haven't contacted any companies yet. They don't even know which competences and skills they have. So in that situation, we start, you know, completely from scratch, you know, 
talking about, okay, what did you do in your home country? What kind of experience do you have? What kind of skills and qualifications do you have to do that job? Um, what kind of jobs should you be looking for? Uh, so we talk a lot about the, um, the expectations that we have or that they have uh, and that we need to adjust to fit the possibilities that they have right now in the Danish job market. Mm. Sometimes they are, they are very aware of their limitations um, and sometimes they have some um, very high expectations that make it completely impossible for them to move on to the next step because they are stuck in in an idea of what they can do and where they can do it and they just don't get hired. So my job is also to explain to them, okay, this is, in my opinion, and it's not that I know everything, but in my professional opinion, I think that this is what you could do right now. This is the next step for you. And of course, they have to agree. And of course, it's their job search. This is very important also to mention that when an accompanying partner comes to me, I will do my best to help them in the best way I can. But I expect them to be the um, the responsible person for their own job search. It's not my job to find mm. a job for them. No. It's my job to help them find a job for themselves. And so if they have the motivation, if they have the willingness to work on their job search, if they have the the um, the flexibility to um, maybe see some other career path parts that they haven't thought of then uh, this is the easiest way to help them is that a, something you talk about also like what could you do differently yes um, definitely because now you're in Denmark and this is yes. the way yes you can use your skills here some some people come with the expectation that they can go directly from the manager position they had in the home country and into the same or a similar position in Denmark And in most cases, unless you are an expert that is really desirable for a company in some specific topic, uh, in most cases, it's not done that way. You will need to start somewhere else. You will need to start with an internship or with uh, a lower you know, position and work your way up to get to know the company, get to know the, 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 the field that you are working in, and they will have to get to know you. So... Um, Yeah, it, it's it's really, really individual. I've been working with, I think, uh, well, over 100 part company partners right now, or in in the in the time that I have been doing this job, and every situation is quite unique. So what they need, when they need it, uh, the challenges they face are, in some aspects, very similar to one another, and in other aspects, very very individual. Are there sometimes doors closed that? People wouldn't imagine be closed or well um, some positions are regulated by law in Denmark and this is something that would be great to know before you move if your position if in, in your field if, if this is something that you need an authorization to do in Denmark um, but I sometimes meet accompanying partners who are not aware of that fact so they move here from Iran for example or from China or from you know even Germany and they expect to to work in the same field and they find out well you need an authorization for that from the Danish um, author authorities and um, this is something that usually takes time it can take maybe one or two or three years 
and it also often requires a very high level of Danish. So if you would like, for example, to work as a nurse in Denmark, you need to go through a whole authorization process and um, before you will be able to work in that profession. So this is something that they need to be aware of. Other professions like, for example, communication and marketing, uh, there are some companies and some positions also in, you know, locally in Denmark uh, or in Odense or on Fyn, uh, where you are able to work with your English skills, but in most cases you will be required to know or at least some Danish in order to be working in that field because a lot of the external communication with customers and uh, uh, cooperating partners will be in, in Danish as well. So it really, really depends on the person and the profession as yeah. well. You mentioned before, um, if you are here as an accompanying spouse, uh, you have a partner who's working here, that you will be a stable uh, person to mm-hmm. hire. But if your partner has a contract that's for maybe two years, mm-hmm. will that have an effect on your employability? Well, um, it, it could, but it's not something that you are required to mention in mm. your CV and comma letter. I mean, you don't have to write, my partner has got a position for the next two years. Because when you write that, you will automatically let the potential employer know that, okay, after two years, I don't know if I'll be here anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can write, you know, my, my partner is working as this and this in this company. We are planning to stay here for a while. Or you, you can, you know, just finish with working with this and this in the company and then not mention anything more. And then if you are asked about it in an interview, then you will be able to say, well, We moved here, we are thriving, uh, we are trying to build a life here. I would be happy to, to stay here for a, for a long while. <clears throat> and the fact is, the reason why you can you know, get away with doing it this way is that nobody knows what will happen tomorrow. If you're a Dane, you will maybe, you know, you can say, I plan to stay in Odense for the rest of my life, but then something happens and you will have to move. So it's not that you are lying, you are just... You know, giving them the best guess or your best yeah. bit to how long you will stay here, and yes. and and situations may change because yeah. maybe your partner's job is uh, for a two-year contract right now, but maybe it will be prolonged, or maybe he or she will get another job in Denmark in Odense and stay here for a That's long true. time. So you never know what will happen in the future. What you what you know when you are searching for a job is that you would like a job, you are interested in the company, you are interested in mm. the position, and that motivation should shine through. In the interview as well. Yeah. I think if you, for instance, is here with a postdoc, and then usually that is for two years, and then yeah. maybe you have to move country again. Yes. yes. So you don't. So, yeah, yeah. If you write, he's a postdoc or she's a postdoc. But you know, two years yeah. is also quite a long time. Yeah. So if if you are a, a good employee and if if you are contributing for two whole years, I think it's also very good for a company. Yeah. Yeah, maybe people don't stay longer than two years in jobs anyway. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it really depends a lot. Uh, some yeah. people move faster than expected. Some people stay longer. Um, life changes, situations change. So, yeah, so you, you, ca- you can never predict how long you will stay here, probably. Do you think that also people change jobs quite frequently? Well, I think, um, I don't really remember the statistics, but I think on average, and this is if I if I don't remember incorrectly i think on average a dane changes jobs three point something times um 
or maybe it's even more, but it's quite often actually. So um, it's not unusual that you are in a job for two or three years and then you would like to try something else or Mm. you are being laid off for some reason and you have to find something else. Some people stay in the same jobs for 10 or 20 or 30 years if they thrive and, you know, that's great, but there is no expectations that a job is for life. Uh, Another thing that... um, you know, in, in Denmark, you have something called full-time jobs or part-time jobs. And you have something called, you know, the job can be permanent or time-limited. A permanent job in Denmark doesn't mean that you will have it for life. And if you come from a country with a culture where a permanent position is for life, then you will be disappointed. Because in Denmark, a permanent position is only, it only means that there is no deadline. But if circumstances change, if the company will have to re-prioritize their, uh, their economy for some reason, if they have a bad year or a good year, or if, you know, if a new manager comes and changes the structure completely, then you cannot be sure to keep your job. And this goes for internationals and Danes, and it's just, it's just very standard in Denmark. In Denmark, we have something called flex security, which is, you know, the combination of flexibility and security, which means that you are not, uh, you, you don't have your job for life necessarily. You can be laid off quite easily, but you also have the security in the way that, for example, if you are paying to an unemployment insurance fund for some time and you get laid off, then you have another time period where you receive what corresponds to most of your salary and that gives you the financial stability to be looking for another job in the meantime. So there is this combination of jobs are not secure but there are other insurances that you can take in order to secure your income. Is it too easy to lay off people in Denmark? Um, No, I don't think so, because I think that there needs to be a match between the person and, you know, the the, the qualifications and the position and what is required. And I think that to have a company that grows and uh, creates revenue, you need the right people at the right time. So if circumstances change and a person is not the best fit for the position or for the company in that moment, then I think it would be a shame to keep that person for his or her own sake and also for the company's sake. So I think it's it's really good to also because I think it I think it's really important to continue learning in your work life as well. This is something that is highly valued in Denmark by employees and employers, that you have this continuous learning. You are developing all your life. You are learning new skills. You are attending courses, either paid by yourself or paid by the company. Uh, So in that way, you never kind of like get stuck. This is like, I think the, the worst thing that can happen for a company and for an employee is if they get stuck. So, um, sometimes, in order to grow and in order to learn new things, you need to change jobs. Uh, maybe you have reached, you know, a, a, a place in the company where you cannot develop anymore. Uh, you don't really see uh, any possibilities there. So it's good that 
both that the employer can lay you off if necessary, but also that you can quit your job quite easily uh, and find another job. So I think it's it's really good for both parts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In order to continue developing, if you haven't found a job yet and you're here as a spouse, do you think there are some courses that they can take or is that something you help them as well? Uh, yes, this is something that I can definitely help them find. Mm -hmm. um, some courses are free of charge. Some courses are, uh, you know, with a fee, uh, with a payment that you have to do. Sometimes you need to pay it yourself. Sometimes the municipality will also be able to help you with some of the cost. It really depends on your situation uh, um, and which which law you are under in Denmark. Um, but there are a lot of possibilities, and I think that we li we live in a you know in a in an age in a time where internet is, is available everywhere and there are so many great courses offered by renowned universities worldwide that you can take online which are either free of charge or where you don't have to pay that much money to do that and i think that it's becoming more and more um, normal in denmark not only to look at people's formal, you know, education, qualifications, but also what kind of skills do they have. So depending, of course, on what you're working with, if you have a course within a certain topic uh, that you are not necessarily educated in, but something that you learned by yourself or taking a course later on in your life, for the company, it shouldn't really matter where you have this knowledge from as long as you have it. So I think that people who are searching for jobs, and this goes for Danes and internationals, and also people who are in a job already, if they would like to develop and you know develop their skills, learn more skills to be more attractive to another employer or a new employer, uh, I think that they should really have a look at these courses. They are called MOOC courses. MOOC? Uh, yes, I think it stands for Massive Open Online Courses or okay. something like that. Yeah. So there are many, many to choose from yeah. um, if you if you search for them online. Do the accompanying spouses that you support usually find jobs? You know, so. um, yes and no. I would say that most of them do. For some it takes longer than for others. It really depends on, again, of course your competences and your field, but also the timing, uh, your luck, uh, but mostly your motivation and your perseverance when searching for a job. Uh, and you have to be flexible as well. If you only want to do that specific job in you know, these three specific companies in Denmark, then it can be quite difficult. But if you are flexible to, you know, where you would like to work, how far you would like to commute, for example, uh, working hours as well, then it should be possible for most of them to find a job. And they do. Hmm. Some of them give up, unfortunately, in the process. Uh, but um, but I think that for most, there is, there is a really good chance. Again, your chance will increase very much the more Danish you know. So my best advice to anybody searching for a job in Denmark who is not Danish and doesn't know Danish is 
practice Danish as much as you can, learn it as fast as you can, the more you know, the easier it will be to get a job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when you have a job uh, and you have children, uh, what are the daycare possibilities? Do you think uh, people are usually aware of those daycare possibilities? Yes, I I hope so, mm-hmm. at least. Um, well, th- there is um, there is the option of uh, putting your children into a public daycare or... Uh, or a private daycare, which is regulated by the public sector as well. So the possibilities are there. People need to be aware that uh, I think in Odense the guaranteed time to get a daycare is, I think it's three months. So again, like with accommodation, you have to start quite early, but you cannot sign up your child to for daycare before you have moved here and you have a CPR number. So you have to be aware that you might risk that you will need to take care of your children for three months before you can actually get a spot in a daycare in, in Hunza. Um And this is challenging for some people. If they come very late and they have to start working very fast, then it, it is an issue. But for most, uh, they kind of work it out somehow. Um, what is good to know is that schools are free in Denmark. You don't have to pay for schools unless you choose a private school, of course. If you would like to get your children into daycare and kindergarten, then you, there is a payment that you have to pay for that. The, new, the municipality pays most of it, but there is still a payment for you as well. And in Denmark, it's uh, the prices for kindergarten. Would you think people usually think they're okay? I think it really depends where you yeah. come from. If you come from uh, England, for example, mm-hmm. I know that the prices there are outrageous. Um, so compared to England, uh, daycare in Denmark is almost free of charge. But if you come from other countries where you are maybe not used to having your children in daycare because you have you know, a family, grandparents or an aunt or somebody else taking care of them and you suddenly find yourself in a new country where you need somebody else to take care of your child, then you can be quite uh, surprised by the price. The prices are uh, uh, vary a, a little bit between the different municipalities, but you can always find the prices on the municipality's website. Do you any hear anything about how people think the daycare system works, or the school works? Or? I think that most people are quite satisfied with mm-hmm. it. Um, in Denmark, again, like with with the person, you know, with the whole person in the in the workplace, there is also a focus on the whole child or the whole individual. So the Danish um, way of engaging with children in daycare and kindergarten and school can be quite different from the country that you come from. But um, most people, most children, when they grow up um, in Denmark. Uh, know how to take care of themselves, know how to think for themselves. Uh, so I, I think it's it's actually quite good. But it really depends on the standard you come from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think there is a lot of focus on keeping children happy as well. So um, so this is also like the the social part, the, 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 hu- the, the human part of being a pupil, or being a, mm. a child in a daycare and a kindergarten is also very important. And they focus on the social, yes, um, yeah, interaction. Social and also the individual thinking that you don't have to, you know, learn something by heart. You have to, you don't have to memorize so many things. You have to learn to think for yourself. Yeah. 
And that's something they do from day one in school? I would say so, yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's okay to question the teacher's opinions? Yes, I mean, do it in a diplomatic way, of course. Um, I think every person working with children should do it because they... You know, it's not only a job, but it's kind of like a call. It's it's something that they really like to do. So I would, I, I choose at least to believe that a, a teacher or a, a, a pedagogue in an institution, they they do the best they can. Um, if you don't agree with them as a parent, you should always try talk to, talking to them, but do it do it in a nice way. So you have a lot, you know. You have a saying in what's going on in your children's uh, life in school and in kindergarten and daycare, of course. Um, in Denmark, we also have these boards, parent boards, uh, both in, in daycare and kindergarten and uh, and schools. So if you would like to get involved in your child's institution, there is a possibility to that to do that as well. So what kind of activities do the international community and also host for helping spouses into work-related networks? Well, um, a lot of different activities, I would say. Um, we, well, first of all, my service is to give them individual guidance and help. So that's usually where we start. We have a meeting, either online or in person. Uh, to find out, okay, what are the possibilities? What are the expectations? Where should we start? Where should you know step one, two, and three, and all that? Um, for my part, as long as the accompanying partner is active and uh, motivated in the job search, there is no limit to how long we can be in touch, or how many times we can meet, or how many times they can contact me, how many times I would like to help them. I would love to help them as as long as 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 possible until they get a job. Um, apart from the individual counseling that I do, we also host webinars or seminars or you know events for accompanying partners. Uh, starting from this year, we have a job cafes approximately once a month, where um, where accompanying partners that I'm in contact with can come either to my office or during this corona time we did it online uh, where we kind of meet for approximately two hours i present a topic job related topic that i find relevant for you know for the purpose and then we have a discussion and they can ask questions ask all the questions they have Mm. and uh, especially in the physical meetings that we have the in-person meetings where people can meet each other I think that that's very useful because the job seekers can see that they are not the only ones struggling. There are others who struggle as well. And once you meet these people and you start sharing experiences and sharing tips, something else happens Mm -hmm. and you can actually help each other. So I'm kind of like my, my purpose, at least with this job cafes, is both to give them some knowledge, but also to be the facilitator between people so they can help each other. Um, Yesterday we held a webinar where we have we had an external uh, job search expert talking about LinkedIn and networking. So different topics. 
That's good. Yeah. So you can get some new friends maybe if you go there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Also. Very good. Regarding how we can help the spouses or the accompanying partners as well is that we we have created a network of companies that would like to help each other's accompanying partners into jobs. So that's a really good network to have also because more and more companies are beginning to realize that in order to keep good international employees, they need to also, they, they also have a responsibility of at least doing their part to make the family thrive. Often um, families thrive if both people are employed, both partners. Um, and therefore, the companies would like to help each other's company partners through, for example, a coffee meeting uh, where we where you talk about possibilities, maybe an internship, maybe a regular employment. So this is something that we are facilitating as well in international community. That's great. Uh, how can people sign up for this? Uh, the companies they they don't really you. no they don't really sign up. No. It's uh, they they contact me and if I'm in. The in, if if we get into the process of you know being in touch where I can help them, then I will be the facilitator of mm. trying to find out the possibilities for them in these or other companies. So you have a lot of companies that all have expats and then they help either, each other. Either they have mm. expats or they have the willingness to help other people. Yeah. Um, not necessarily that they employ internationals themselves, but they can see the value of uh, keeping good talent mm. in Odense and in Denmark. That's great. So, do they meet up sometimes, all of them? We have uh, we have some uh, yearly meetings for mm. companies um, uh, where we kind of like talk about the status, talk about the cooperation that we have, and then uh, when when I have a particular accompanying partner that I would like to send out to a company, it's something that I do, uh, and then if the request is or if the reply is positive from the company, then I let the spouse know. Okay. Mm-hmm. Great. In Denmark, we are we are seen as a as a very cold and unwelcoming country for many. Uh, I think most internationals they really find it difficult to get to know Danes and socialize with Danes because I think that uh, in Denmark Danes um, often expand and um, get their social network through, for example, school or university years. So once you reach the adult age, you you have the friends and the, you know the, the people you know that you that you need in your life. And Danes spend a lot of time on family as well, also spare time activities. So this fact makes it very difficult for internationals to actually get under the skin of Danes when it comes to social uh, activities or getting to know each other. Um, and this is something that I think uh, Danes should be aware of, also internationals, of course, to understand that we we may seem cold, but it's not because we want to seem cold and unwelcoming. It's just the way we, we are. Um, and I think for an international, they need to kind of like gently, but push harder to get to know some Danes. And in a social setting that is very informal, it's a really great way to do that. We always encourage internationals to engage in local uh, society, in local in the local community, 
for example, doing some volunteer work or joining a club or um, some kind of you know activity that they used to do in their home country. There are so many different sport clubs and uh, associations in Denmark that you can become a part of where everybody is welcome. And this is actually one of the best way to one of the best ways to get to know Danes because when you do a sport activity together, you 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 get you know you get to talk to Danes, you get to socialize, and this is a good way to to start. So when you do go to sports, sometimes it can also sometimes be hard to get to know people because they just go to the sport and then they go home again. Yes, that's yeah. true. And this is unfortunately one of the things that internationals just need to kind of live with and accept mm. that the Danes, uh, when they finish work, they go home to pick up their children. After that, they go to a sports activity, either where the children are playing something or they play themselves uh, and then they go home. Um, so it, yeah, uh, so it is quite difficult to get to know Danes. Uh, dur- during a sport activity, you would probably, you know, do sport with a Dane, for example. After the activity, um, I know that a lot of internationals are used to, you know, go out, have a drink, be very informal. Uh, Danes are more structured and they like they like to plan ahead. So Danes are not very good at being spontaneous in in that regard. Uh, so it's always a good idea to plan. And also, I think uh, it's very important to give people time to get to know you. So as an international, you. You, you you can push a little bit, but you have to be gentle because if you push too hard, you will push the Dane away, mm-hmm. most of them at least. So you have to give them time to kind of like warm up to you, get to know you, and then uh, eventually, you know, at some point they will they will be happy to go out and have a cup of coffee with you or engage in another social activity. So when Dane are moving to a new city, for instance, mm-hmm. how do Danes get new friends? That's a good question. Um, I know that it's very difficult for Danes as well when they move mm-hmm. internally, you know, in Denmark. Um, I think that if you have children, for example, it's a really good way to meet other adults, other parents, because you go to the children's sports activities and you stand and watch, you know, your child playing soccer for one hour and then you kind of get to know other Danes. For example, me uh, and my partner, we moved to a new city six years ago. Um, and the way we kind of got to know the local community was through our children's sport activities. So this is this is our network, local network right now. Um, and then, uh, well, Danes, they, they do commute a lot also to, you know, if they move away and have, uh, you know, make a life in another part of Denmark, they, they move you know, they they commute back to visit friends and family and they visit each other in that way so uh, this is also a way to keep keep your social network even though you move away yeah also Denmark is not so big so it's maybe that's so, so you don't have to get new friends yes. because well if you <laughs> can just drive if you're asking most things <laughs> i think that they they most things don't actually like to commute i think this is mm. actually my my experience um but they have to because they have to get back home and visit their friends and family um but you know everything is relative so if you come from a small country like denmark uh, the distance of three hours from for example Odense to Aalborg is really really far away uh, if you move from the us for example the dif- distance of three hours is nothing it's like a daily commute for some people 
so it's very relative what you mm. find uh, challenging mm. in that aspect. Mm. So what would you say to newcomers who don't know anybody yet and feel lonely? I would say that a great start would be to join our events mm. and activities. Uh, of course, the first thing is to get to know that we exist. And this is, uh, this is something that we are... Um, challenged with I would say in the office every day that a lot of companies and a lot of internationals still don't know about us and we would love for them to know about us and remember us for example companies when they recruit new international employees uh, that they actually mention us in the recruitment process or that they invite us in if they have a first interview uh, or just a Skype call with a potential employee um, to, to give the family to give the international this um, safety net in a way this mm-hmm. um, this feeling that there are there are somebody there there is somebody there who can who can uh, who can help them when they move also before they move they can always contact us mm-hmm. and uh, we will do our best to help them with their issues and questions so um, yeah join our uh, our events Uh, get to know us, get to know uh, others. I think that uh, the best way to get to know a new country is by meeting people who have lived here either all their life, if they are Danes, or if they have lived here for just a little while, like internationals, other internationals. Um, we try to set them up together. So if we have an international who is coming here and we can see that there will, this person would benefit from knowing somebody else, maybe from the same country or the same region or maybe the same profile, professional profile. We we kind of do these informal setups where people can meet each other. Oh, that's um, nice. And it really works and it's, it's really good. Nice. And uh, internationals who have been here for a while, they love to share the experiences. Mm-hmm. They know how difficult it is to move and to settle in a new country and they would like to help others do the same. So if you are out there and you need some, you know, local friends, just get in touch with us. That's I would great. Say. Yeah. So they can just write to you and say a little bit about themselves. Yes, and that they would definitely. Like to meet yes. new people. Yes. Yeah. And we will do our best to help. Very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and you said you can also help them before they move here. Yes, we. Um, Sometimes um, we well, we we have a good cooperation with a lot of companies in Ulenza and if they are recruiting uh, international employees, uh, some of them are really good at remembering us in the process, as I said before, so that um, they contact us and they say, okay, we have a, a new family moving here. They will move in maybe one or two months. Could you please contact them and, you know, get started with, with with helping them. Or we get contacted by the internationals themselves because they found us on, uh, on our, you know, they found our website or they found our uh, Facebook site and they have questions. They they write to us and say, I'll be moving soon. Uh, I have these and these questions. Can you please help me? Mm. Uh, so um, we would love to meet them either in a physical meeting if possible if they haven't moved yet or if there is a corona crisis like <laughs> right now then uh, we also do online meetings yeah. uh, skype or another platform whatever fits best and uh, we we you know we would like to get in touch with them as soon as possible so that we can help them in the process because there are so many questions and we have most of the answers. If we don't have the answer, we will find out who can help you. 
Uh, so it's easier to get in contact with us and get us to help instead of trying to find out the information yourself. In addition to the job meetings, you also have some spouse meetings? Right? Yes, we have. Um, we, we put a lot of emphasis on the idea of you know thriving and settling into the city and not all accompanying partners are interested in having a job. Mm. Maybe at some point most would like to have a job but many are not ready to, to begin their job search and uh, they are busy you know settling, uh, getting a local network, uh, making sure that the husband or wife or children are thriving. Um, so here we start in a different place by offering them social events. And a very easy, I, I, I hope, I believe that a very easy way to get to know uh, more people locally is, for example, by participating in our spouse cafes. So, for example, once a month, we have a social, uh, very informal gathering in one of the cafes in the city. We try to mix it up a bit so that people can see different places in the city where accompanying partners can just come. They can meet uh, one or two of us from the office, from International Community Office, or uh, and, and also, of course, other accompanying partners. So this is a very, very easy, very basic way to start new, new friendships in the city. How frequently are these different things that you do? Um, this Pascal phase, we do it uh, once a month. Mm. Uh, it's uh, on a Tuesday uh, around uh, noon. Mm-hmm. The coming dates and you know of all our events, spouse cafes and other things, you will be able to find it on our Facebook page, which is called International Community Windsor. So this is the most updated uh, page that you will have. So please follow us there and keep an eye on our events because we always have a lot of interesting things coming up. Uh, so the spouse cafes are once a month. We have a job cafe approximately once a month for accompanying partners. And then we have an international meetup also once a month. It's with, with few exceptions. It's always on the last Thursday of the month in the afternoon. Um, it's like the spouse cafe, but it's open for everyone. So you don't have to be an accompanying partner to join the international meetup. You can be a, an expert working here. You can be an accompanying partner. You can be a student. You can be a Dane. Everybody is welcome. Um, so we meet in a, in a bar or in a cafe or a restaurant in the city, have a drink together for one or two hours, and then people get to know each other this way. If you don't know anybody yet and you go to the international meetups, yes. how do you find the people? And is it a bit yeah, well, uh, it hard can, to get into it, the... It can be a bit scary, but yeah. we always do our best to welcome new mm-hmm. people. And every time we meet, there is somebody new. And people are also coming back. So maybe you have, you know, you came to Denmark one year ago, you attended a few of our events. Then for some reason you didn't attend anymore because maybe you were busy or you didn't have the need. And then at some point you find out, oh, there is an international meetup on Thursday. Let me join that. So we have people who have been there for a while, but we also have newcomers every every time, almost every time. So uh, just show up at a certain, you know, time. Uh, date, time and place, of mm-hmm. course, and you will find us from International Community Lindsay. We always have either a sign on the table or we have a, a name tag with our name and uh, our logo so people can find us. And we are always very keen on, you know, welcoming people and making sure that they feel comfortable. So don't don't be shy, just, just show up and we'll make sure that you're okay. Great. 
And are they all age groups? When they all age groups, yes. Yeah. And it's usually more one of age group or not? I would say most people are probably in the you know late 20s, 30s, 40s. Um, but we also have some very young, you know, students coming or uh, older workers as well. So everybody's welcome. Mm-hmm. In International Community Lancer, we started Chat in Danish some years ago, which is a cooperation between, uh, you know, us and uh, Lærdansk, the Danish Language Center. And uh, it's a Sunday afternoon. Each Sunday, people meet to practice Danish together. There are some Danish volunteers who help them with that. And sometimes they meet in uh, in a location like, for example, Lærdansk office or Lærdansk school. Sometimes they go on excursions to museums or other places where they can talk about what they see and, um, you know, add words to their vocabulary. And it's a really good way to get out there and practice Danish in a safe, informal setting with others. So when you combine that your language cafes and the work cafes and the spouse cafes and there are really many things that yes. you can do to be social mm-hmm. when you're here, I think. Yes. Yeah. I hope <laughs> so. We, we we do our best. Yeah. We are always open for suggestions. Mm-hmm. So if somebody out there has an interesting idea of an event, social or work-related or any other event that we could arrange something maybe you know, just once or a reoccurring event, then we are really happy to to hear about it. That's great. Thank mm-hmm. you so much Thank for being part the podcast. You have been listening to an interview with Alexandra Jensen, spouse consultant at the International Community Odense. You can find more information about International Community Odense's activities, events and networks for accompanying spouses on Facebook and on the International Community Odense's website. The email address of International Community Odense is included in the show notes, together with a link to the International Community Odense's webpage and Facebook page. In the next podcast, you can meet Abril Arteaga. Abril comes from Mexico City. She moved with her husband to Odense in 2015, and she has built up her own yoga studio, Earth Yoga, in the center of Odense. I think it's hard to find, for what I have here, it's hard to find a job for international here in Denmark, in Odense, and I think it's hard to, but what is hard, what is, what is not hard? It depends on you. So if I tell you it's hard, then you will be neglect. you will be, you know, it's the same when I teach yoga. I said, you go, you do this. If you go and you can do it, that's fine. If not, we will work it through. But I'd rather to tell you it's easy. So you have that mentality <laughs> and your expectations, you know, I think you can find a cafe job or, you know, but the one that wants to really work, they will find jobs, I think. Abril shares her experiences with moving to Odense and building up her own business here in Denmark in the next episode of the Expat Life in Odense podcast series. My name is Jaste Uvland. Thank you for listening. Bye for now.